You're listening to The Soul's Way Podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I'm an author, a speaker, a mentor, and I help individuals align with their soul and create the ripple effect that they came here to create. Are you ready to manifest your best life the soul's way? If so, you're in the right place and you're definitely here for a reason. Let's dive in. Hi friends, oh my goodness, you are in for such a treat today. I don't wanna talk too long for this intro um, because there is so much gold that I can't wait for you to get into with this episode. You'll wanna play it again and again. We're gonna do a part two. We already know we need to do a part two because this conversation was just so juicy. There was so much to unpack and I feel like um, Sharon and I could just go on and on and on about the subject. So. She has um, gracefully agreed to do a part two, but there's so much here in part one. Um, Sharon Jameson is an entrepreneur, author, best-selling author, a speaker, and you'll see why when, when you listen to her. She's so dynamic, so fun and easy to listen to. She's a visionary, a life strategist, and she's been teaching principles of self-love and self-empowerment for over 35 years. Her career has taken her from owning a fitness studio to managing multi-million dollar accounts for international biotechnology firm. Um, she most recently founded the Jameson Group, her personal development company, specializing in personal transformation, racial healing, and spiritual renewal. And you'll hear in the episode how much we have in common and why I'm so excited to talk to somebody who wears multiple hats wears multiple hats and is redefining success on her own terms and decolonizing manifestation and success and it's so beautiful it's such an incredible conversation so without further ado let's dive in all right welcome back everybody to the soul's way podcast and a huge gratitude filled welcome to my special guest sharon jameson sharon welcome to the show thank you so much for being here Thank you so much for the invitation. I am so honored to be here and I'm so honored by the work that you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you. The pleasure is mine and ours. Um, Can you please introduce yourself in your own words um, and tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure, sure. Thank you for that. I would say I am a visionary. I am a healer. I'm a minister. I'm a mom corporate leader, an abolitionist, <laughs> um, a DER practitioner. I work at the intersection of spirituality, liberation, and healing. Um, I believe that it's so important for people to be who they were called to be and never settle for what society has taught or told or tricked or terrorized us to be. Because if we are not being who we were called to be, we will never find purpose. And without purpose, we will never have fulfillment. And so I help people shed all the societal shoulds and all of the other narratives and myths that make us devalue who we are so that we can see our full humanity and experience our full divinity outside of the structures and the systems that make us feel that we're not worthy. So that's the work that I do in the world. I do it from the pulpit. I do it as a as a, as a author and as a coach. I do it at, at, in my corporate job because it all they all point to the same thing: human humanity and divinity. And those things are really important. Mm, 
so beautiful. I already can't wait to go back and listen to this. All you've done so far is introduce yourself. And I already can't wait to listen back to all of that. And I got chills already as you were speaking. Um, and as you and I were talking about before we hit record, I was just um, just to fill our audience in saying how inspiring it was to read about all the different hats that you wear and how you really can do it all. And it really all is intertwined, especially when it comes to spirituality and and success and manifestation is like, we need to have equality. We need to have, for those who aren't aware, you said an EDI, what did you say? EDI, DI, diversity, sorry, equity, sorry. Inclusion. yes. And then you said practitioner. Yeah, um, yeah, DI yeah. practitioner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for those that are listening, yeah, diversity, um, equity and inclusion, and we need to have those in order to, to soar together. Um, and why it was so personally inspiring for me to to read about your work this week is because, as we were just discussing, so much of it is similar to what I am doing, where I am an author and a speaker and a mentor, and I'm moving into this realm of um, uh, anti-racism work, and it's really overlapping with my corporate job that I just got this spring, which is working in um, in the healthcare industry as you do as well, um, and it's to to bridge the gaps and and to heal all the inequities that exist for Indigenous health, especially urban Indigenous health, is what I'm working with. Um, and then I know you're working with um, communities for Black and Brown people that are underserved. That really, like you were saying to me, um, like health is not only a, a basic human right, but there is no wealth without health and and it's something that we definitely, as a starting point, <laughs> minimum, we all need to have equal access um, to have good health and good well-being. So I just love all of the work you're doing. And I totally see how it all co um, correlates. And it's such a beautiful reflection for me to witness um, as well. So just thanks. Thanks for being that light of possibility just in what you do. Um, what's the journey been that's led you into doing this work? What's I want to hear your story. As much uh, as you want to share. Sure. My story to do this work started being a, a preacher's kid. My father's a minister, but um, always connected Jesus with justice. So mm -hmm. we always knew that um, protests was a religious act. And so we never mm -hmm. separated that. Uh, that that uh, prayer was the only thing because prayer is just as holy as protest. And so under that uh, understanding of God as a liberator, as a mm -hmm. sustainer, I started this work um, seeing my parents and seeing what it looked like. Um, I, I then went at five years old, started integrating schools. I was born in the 60s and had a lot of pain. For example, when I was in kindergarten, I remember going into the class and seeing only white people on on the walls and white little girls and little white little boys on the walls. And I remember sitting down and I moved too fast. And my teacher thought I was attacking her, even though I was five years old and she hit me in the head with a chair. Um, and so then I remember maybe second, second grade, I was on the monkey bars because nobody would play with me because I was a little brown girl. And I remember the kids pushed me off the monkey bars and hit and I fell on my head and I got a concussion. And the nurse didn't call my mom because she was taught that Negros had harder heads. Mm -hmm. And so I, I experienced injustice then. And then in the third grade in school, 
I remember somebody pushing me down the steps. And Emily, I thought my somebody had put water over my head, but it was my blood. My, my, my skull had been cracked. So these are the experiences of the first, you know, eight or nine years of my life that I knew that I had to do something. I didn't have language for it, but I knew it wasn't fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I knew I wasn't safe. And um, and I knew that I had to make a change. Now, I, I, I didn't have, I had, like I said, thank God I had my parents to say, this is not normal. This is not something that you have to, to um, instill as a way of, uh, of engaging with others. But up until maybe when I was 10 and 11 years old, it was normal. And to so bad, when I was 10 years old, I started using food to numb. And mm-hmm. in the summer, I gained about 50 pounds. And back then, we didn't have therapists. We didn't have trauma-informed care or trauma-informed care. And as a person of color, and you know this as a brown woman, when when violence has been the norm, nobody calls it out. Nobody doesn't, or or people stop calling it out because there's there's no way to address it. And so I would I would explain what I was experiencing. And it was like, you know, be stronger. That's just the way it is. But my spirit said, no, Mm. my spirit said, this is not okay." And I knew that I wanted to do something. I just didn't have language for it. But so I knew I was going to be a part of liberation just because of integrated schools was so not emotionally and spiritually painful, but it was Mm -hmm. physically violent. Mm-hmm. So I that was kind of my role and I continued to do that. I kind of had another awakening when I finished high school, went to college. I uh, went uh, my first year of college was in Arizona State University. And again, just the onset and the onslaught of my dignity that my parents said, you have to go to a black college, because if you don't get um, the internal infrastructure and the inner knowing and and know how to shed those society should, you're not going to survive. And so I left a full scholarship and went to a historically black university and I became emboldened and empowered. Mm-hmm. And thank God I did, because then I went into corporate America and it was mm-hmm. challenging. Mm-hmm. Going to the, um, the pharmaceutical industry in the 80s, more of the same. But then I had some skills. I had some tools. And um, and then I said, I, I want I knew I had to create spaces to provide something for women who became who came after me and provide the training that I needed, but wasn't available. Mm-hmm. I need to understand how to navigate microaggressions, how to how to take my power back, how to own my voice, how to um, stand in my power, how to to make changes and choices for myself, how to redefine success. And so I started doing training and support for people who experience corporate trauma and career trauma. And then I, I went into the ministry, you know, and I said, wait a minute, I don't condone all this patriarchy, you know, patriarchy in a pulpit. God is not a he, mm-hmm. God is not white. God does not make me follow rules that deny my humanity. Mm-hmm. And God is not only for straight people. And so I started <laughs> having a different um, a different understanding of faith. I married a Muslim. My, so my family cut me off for six years. 
And um, but I but I understood that loss is part of liberation. Sometimes you got to lose some things. And I combined all of that to do all the work that I do. And I bring all of that, uh, all those experiences inform how I function and what I teach, what I share, and what I hope for for all people. But but I center brown and black um, women, femmes, uh, because I think we are many times the caretakers of of culture and the caretakers of community, but nobody takes care of us. And that's mm-hmm. what I do and why I do it. Long story, but I kind of want to wow. take it. No. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, just even going back to what you said about, um, you know, that awful story of your teacher not really taking it seriously when you had a literal concussion, because mm-hmm. there's this preconceived notion that, you know, like, I know we were just talking about this on an anti-racism health webinar that I was watching through my work. And they were saying that the the doctors and the nurses have this idea and this saying that you can't kill an Indian, quote unquote, you can't kill an Indian. Indians are tough and black people are more tough. And so when black patients come in and indigenous patients come in, they're either not seen, they sit and sometimes even die in the emergency room. They're not given the drugs that they need that they're not given painkillers that would be given to white patients, but to actually put, I'm getting chills as I speak Mm -hmm. to actually have you share your story and to have those who are listening actually put a personalized, you know, a face to it, a voice to it, to the story, um, I think is really powerful. So thank you for sharing that, even though I'm sure it's still probably painful to share and to talk about, but it's these types of things that people, if they haven't experienced it, don't realize um, shapes so much of your self-worth, right? Because that's you being told you're automatically less human, you're less worthy, um, you're less worthy of basic care, which is a basic human right. Um, And even our, you know, our ancestral trauma just creates and instills so much spiritual wounding. I don't think people realize if there's a wound on your soul, it's not so easy to just fix with a positive affirmation and reading a little mindset book, like maybe some other people can do. And if they don't have all the, all the trauma and the things in their DNA, um, then maybe, maybe it helps. But if you have a spiritual wound, you have a spiritual wound and it needs to be healed at a spiritual level, um, which is what I love about your work. And I love that you're in ministry as well. That's another thing is I'm actually, um, enrolled in University of Sedona, and I'm working towards my ministers. Um, <laughs> technically, I'll be a registered minister. I don't know if I'll go into that type of work, but um, just to immerse myself in that world of it's all about um, God consciousness, the God of your being, oneness, all of this beautiful stuff that I'm sure you're familiar with. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think even if you are in the BIPOC community or the BB um, P I, no, I can't spell B B I P O C community, like black, brown, people of color, indigenous people. Sometimes you don't even realize how much this affects you. Like for me, I didn't even realize for so many years that, um, what was stopping some of my abundance from coming in and some of my success from moving was race related trauma. And I denied myself, especially because I'm mixed ancestry. So I'm part settler and part indigenous. And I thought I'm not indigenous enough. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm white passing. Like I haven't experienced overt 
um, racism in the same ways as a colored person does. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh yeah, there was trauma there, baby. Once I looked at it, there's <laughs> so much there. It's so uh, much and, trauma. Yes, I don't think people yeah. realize that when we start thinking about how we were socialized, or racialized, or marginalized, I love how you say it. It it really puts a wound on the soul, and. Yeah. I, I think people don't understand what happens when our souls are wounded. Mm-hmm. We feel it affects our ability to win. And to me, win is an acronym. Win stands for affects our worthiness to feel like mm-hmm. we can, we should, we have a right to, we, we, uh, it's part of our birthright. Now that's, so that's the, um, our worthiness. The I stands for imagination. People don't really understand that manifestation is a part of your imagination. If you cannot even imagine something Mm -hmm. happening in your life, imagine that you can be something, do something, say something. If you cut off your imagination, you cut off your vision Mm -hmm. and people perish because of lack of vision. And so we have to understand our imagination is something that we need to be creative and innovative. So if you hurt my worthiness because I am I am devalued, degraded, colonized, pushed to marginalize and all those stupid things, you take my worthiness and then you take my um I my imagination, then what happens is I start to normalize defeat. Mm-hmm. I start to normalize being inferior. Start to normalize my own oppression, and then I don't need you to oppress me. I will oppress myself, and I will oppress everybody who looks like me. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand. We talk about wounds of the soul; it prevents us from winning because it it impacts and negates our worthiness, our imagination, and then we normalize it. And 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 when we take a person's worthiness, we have to understand if we take their culture, we take their, their language, we take their food, we take their traditions, and, and we demonize it. Mm-hmm. Of course, my worthiness is, is usurped. Then I don't have to worry about you uh, oppressing me. I will stay in my place, a place that you determined yeah. was, was, was sufficient. Those soul wounds are so dangerous, and that's why we have to deal everything on a on a uh, on a soul level. I don't care if it's work. I don't care if it's the corporate world. I don't care if it's healthcare. Everything is what does your soul say, and that's why it's so important. Mm-hmm. And the oppressors knew that we would internalize it. They knew it would trickle down generations. They knew it would break our spirit and wound us on a spiritual level. They knew this. They knew what they were doing. They know what they are doing um, because we are seen as a threat. And what I like to do is flip that and say, wow, our culture and our connection to spirit is so powerful and so strong that something about that was a threat. Like it's so powerful. They were afraid of our power. That's that's powerful because we, you know, as indigenous people and all, all people with all these beautiful cultures and, and connections to the land, the land and spirit, it is so powerful and beautiful and, and reclaiming that too, 
is such a, a powerful act that you can do for yourself and for your ancestors who who couldn't because they would literally be beaten or arrested or sometimes even killed for mm. for practicing culture even though it's it's very hard and there's a lot of shame involved and there's a lot of trauma involved um yeah I highly encourage everyone to to reconnect with their roots in however you can um, and move through the shame because i know a lot of people especially indigenous folks too um, or folks of mixed ancestry have this shame, like, well, I'm not, I'm, I didn't grow up with the language in my household, or I didn't grow up in ceremonies and with the songs. And, you know, maybe I just feel phony when I do it, but the more you do it, the more you'll start to feel the truth of it because it is in your bones and it is in your DNA and you have that memory, um, in you. So just, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there to encourage people to really reconnect to your roots because, oh. It is healing. Yeah. Yes. I so love healing. what you said. We, we connect. I, I like to say, go home to yourself. Yeah. Go home to yourself. Go home to your soul. Go home to your people. And it's interesting. There's a lot of research done about how our bodies remember when we can't. Mm -hmm. I love that you said mm -hmm. that. And, and even if you look at some of the African cultures now, the African American cultures now, we're doing stuff way back. Four or five hundred years ago, because on a cellular level, we know yes. and even with our digits on a cellular level, we know. And sometimes I think my my belief system is that we came to the world with wisdom. Mm -hmm. We were socialized out of it. Right? Mm -hmm. We came to the world of wisdom. And, and sometimes I marvel at things that I know that I was never taught that I was never taught. Yes. And so I'm learning to trust that. I, I'm learning this Eurocentric way that you have to learn everything from the book. No, you got to learn mm -hmm. some, every, some things from the spirit. And so I am saying, how did I know that? And now I'm thinking, well, you can't, well, you can't do the world know that. It's in your body. It's in your lineage. And I think it's so wonderful because when our, our histories, our lineages, we understood that we were one with each other. We were one with culture. We were one with um the animals, we were one with nature. Mm -hmm. We understood that there were more than two genders, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we understood music. We understood drums. We didn't have this separation from the spiritual versus secular. That's, that is so Eurocentric. Yeah. If we didn't have that, that, that separation. And because we knew that everything, whatever it was, came from above. And um, I'm finding that people are reclaiming their, their ancestry. Because like you said, yes, there's a lot of trauma, but there's a lot of strength. You're right. There's a lot of wisdom. And, and that's why even when I talk about Christianity, I don't understand Christianity from a colonized way. I say liberator, maintainer. I, I celebrate all of my indigenous uh, of ancestries, I feel like I'm getting, and I have a right to all my stuff, all the stuff that mm -hmm. my um, heritage had to leave behind to survive. I'm picking it up and I'm letting it embolden me. And when people say I'm a minority, I'm like, no, I'm the global majority. Mm -hmm. you're, the dom you're the dominant minority, but you're the minority. And so it makes me um, stand a little taller and it allows me to speak up, even if I have to, if, even if I have to speak up alone. And that's powerful. So I love that what you talk about our ancestry. I marvel at what our our, our ancestors and elders what they were able to hold on to. 
yeah. in the midst of such horrific treatment and executions and exploitation and enslavement. I, I marvel at that. And when I think about that, I'm thinking, I am so strong. Mm-hmm. And I don't I, believe the lies, you know? That's right. Yeah. As much as much trauma as we carry on, we also carry the strength and the wisdom. And that's something that I always come back to as well, because it's so it's so beautiful. It strengthens your why. It strengthens your motivation for doing everything because you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for your ancestors and your future bloodlines as well. Um, and yeah, oh, that's just so beautiful. And since you mentioned, you know, the Christianity, I love your view on Christianity and the way you see God and Jesus and spirit. Um, I know something you like to talk about or to work on is, is like normalizing manifestation for mm-hmm. communities that feel like they can't, you know, mm-hmm. um, such as the Christian community or such as the BIPOC community or people yeah. of a certain age. Yeah. So why is this so important to you? Why, why are you passionate about that? Right. I believe manifestation is power and is faith. And we are being taught that it has to look a Eurocentric way, Mm -hmm. a Eurocentric words. And that's just another way of devaluing our own internal wisdom, our own ancestral wisdom. No, I don't have to call it what you call it. This is a faith walk. That's all we know Mm -hmm. as people have been oppressed. It's a faith walk. And I think it's um, it's important to talk about manifestation because we tr- because I feel like people are selling it. It, 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 making it so such a mystery and such magical that we can't step into it as our birthright. That's dangerous. I feel like capitalists will, will capitalize everything. Yeah, and so true. we see all of this magic and mystic and all of that type of stuff, and and all and we are trying to make it so inaccessible. And we're trying to devalue what we know as people of color to be true. That we feel God, God is in our image, and it is a faith walk, and it and, and it's a way of speaking what we want and speaking what we need. And manifestation is not all about money. I hate that. Manifestation is also about meaning. It's, it's not about stuff. It's also it's also about significance. Mm-hmm. Manifestation is all about wealth and wealth is just not is not money. And I think that we are taking something like manifestation and, and materializing it. Mm-hmm. We are pimping it. We are prostituting it versus saying that we all have the ability to manifest. It is faith in action. We speak it. We do it. We say it. We seek it. And we have to make sure that we don't let somebody define it for us and then make us feel badly because we're not manifesting what Eurocentric uh, societies say are important, right? I think that we try to make people feel bad and feel like they're doing something wrong when they're not manifesting what other people are manifesting, not understanding that we have hurdles that impact our ability not only to manifest, but remember our ability for our imagination. I talked about that first. Mm-hmm. If I want to hurt you, I just got to, I have to impact your imagination, impact your identity, impact your sense of worthiness. And guess what? You will keep dreaming really small. Mm-hmm. So for us to manifest to its full ability, we have to know that we're worthy. We have to stretch our imagination. We have to normalize success. We have, however we define it, we have to normalize 
being able to use the power of our minds and our souls and our spirit. And we have to take the emphasis off of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I just right. think that we need to understand that manifestation is about what you think, what you feel, what you do. Head, heart, hand. Head, heart, hand. And to make it seem that it's magic devalues and prostitutes and perverts Mm -hmm. the power of manifestation that we all have. But I want to say that when you heal the soul, it's easy to manifest. Because remember, we have to deal with that acronym called when. Mm -hmm. So the more I understand God, the more I understand that I am the image of God, the more I understand that God lives in me, that that I am, I am, it's my birthright. I was created for greatness. I was created for contribution. Then get these chains off my imagination. Mm-hmm. And then, whoa, I can manifest all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? And so um, I feel like we got to recognize that the the impact of of affecting our worthiness in our imagination. And then I think we got to be careful that that religion is and was separated. Religion has been perverted mm-hmm. we, with rules and, and, and regulations and scriptures and this conformity and this levelism and the Pope. You don't need a Pope or our minister. Come on, you, you can talk to God for yourself. So yeah. we have to make sure we understand that manifestation is a spiritual principle. It's about our imagination, it's about our flow, it's about our freedom, it's about trusting our desires, trusting our truth. What is the truth, right? If you don't trust your truth, you can't dream. The truth is I'm worthy of this. I can do this. I have the capacity. And then ask God to give you the wisdom so when you will make the right decisions to do it. And trust that sometimes the best manifestation is the answer no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because sometimes Amen. we ask for things, right? Sometimes we ask things and we think it's something um, that will bring blessings, but it's a burden. Yeah. And, and since we only see in part the creator who knows seven generations before and seven generations after, right? Or more. That's something that I learned you know, from my indigenous culture, seven generations before, seven generations after. Sometimes the answer needs to be no. And so I, I think we need to stop telling people that manifestation is always a yes. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a no, not now. And sometimes it's immediate. And sometimes it's a process. And the process is part of your preparation. So we need to understand that it doesn't look like something you read in a book. And and, yes. and um, there's no uh, levelism or this Eurocentric understanding of manifestation is it's not even important. It's not more important than you are, yours or mine. Mm-hmm. <sighs> amen. 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 Um, that is such, you just perfectly explained like how manifestation has even been colonized and capitalized like and commercialized. It is ridiculous. And so that's, that's one thing I'm really passionate about is decolonizing this world of manifestation and spirituality and also painting more, examples of indigenous success stories and black success stories and um you know brown people people of color non-white people being seen on the stage and in the books and on all the things thriving because it's such like all industries it's so predominantly white 
And like you said, it's become all about the stuff. We've pimped it out. It's all about the stuff and the money. And I think Michael, um, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith yeah. says it best. I'm sure you love him as well. Um, he said, true manifestation is the emergence of more me. And I just love that because it is like true manifestation is you being who you came here to be as a soul. That's how you can measure your success. How much of your soul showed up today, Mm -hmm. right? How aligned were you in that? And that is so much more valuable than manifesting a car because it was on your vision board because someone said that's the status car. Yes. Right. Or, and then you get the car and you're like, oh, that didn't make me feel any more worthy. And I thought it would. No, because it came from your ego, didn't come from your soul. Yes, I love that. And and that's why the difference between a vision board and an insight board. Vision board is like, mm-hmm. um, to me, vision is what you what you see with your eyes. Insight is what you insight is what you see with your heart, with mm-hmm. your soul. So I always ask for God, uh, God, thank you for the vision, but first give me the insight. Yeah. Because if you give me vision and I don't know have the insight and the discernment to move through it, I might just mess it up. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think people always it's kind of like when people have pray for for information, but they, they have no wisdom. They're not the same. So I always mm-hmm. say, OK, give me some wisdom, some uh, some information. But God, a little bit of uh, information, give me lots of wisdom, because even if you don't know you and you discerning and you have wisdom, you make you make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I will challenge brown and black um people uh people with all type of vulnerable identities and say mm-hmm. be mindful have a healthy disregard when a, when all of the people talking about manifestation are white because you if you're not represented there, there's something wrong with that yes especially since we're the global majority and so I'm yeah. really mindful uh, of that and I don't I, I'm really mindful of appropriation. Because I see it with the um, with the indigenous over here with India Buddha. I mean, I just I'm thinking like when you go to yoga classes, which yeah. was started in the Middle East, and it's all by all white all white women and men. How did yeah. that happen? Appropriation, yeah. mm-hmm. power, enslavement, exploitation, extraction, and so we have to name those things. And I do, I do a lot of that because some if we can name it, mm-hmm. we can see it. I tell people you got to name it and know it. So yep. that you can push back from it, because if not, it will live in you. Because if you yeah. swim in toxic water, the water, the toxic water is going to swim in you. And Emily, you and I grew up in this culture of oppressive culture, so we we also have to decolonize. We also have to totally. to to challenge our um, our internalized racism, sexism, yep. and and we have we can't do that by ourselves. We do it in a healthy community. Mm-hmm. That's really critical. Absolutely. We, yeah, it's so true. We have to first see it. Awareness is always the first step in healing and podcasts like this are going to help people start to see and start to realize maybe they didn't even realize, wow, yeah, that program I'm in, it is all white women. Whoa. I didn't even notice. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Um, And for a lot of um, my white peers, I have a lot of white female friends and they're also coaches and they want, they want my help in in creating safer, more diverse, more equitable spaces. And right now I'm just like, I'm, I'm 
in a place, I can speak to the indigenous perspective of it because I've, I've had that whole experience for my whole life and I can speak to what would help me feel more included and supported. But I also am behind the scenes, I'm doing my own work to look at my own biases that exist because I also have to decolonize myself. I also grew up with these toxic messages that are so subliminal sometimes, oftentimes, um, so subliminal that we, we really have to look for them and do our work. But it's not enough to just say, well, everyone's welcome in my space because I'm not racist. But why is everyone in your space white? Then you're that you're missing something, right? You're missing something. So mm -hmm. there is, yeah, there is a great, great point to bring up that. It starts with awareness for sure. Um, and I wanted to make a note too, while we were talking about money and how it's not about money and material, I also want to remind people that there's nothing wrong with money either. Absolutely. And you can do amazing things because when you're ill-resourced, which is how we were, colonization was designed to rob us of, of having resources, even our own land that we <laughs> were here first on. When you're ill-resourced, you're easier to control and you're easier to keep small. Oh my God. Money is a form of activism. Absolutely. And that's how I look at it. I and money can dress a whole bunch of things. I want a lot of money. Can I just be honest? I'm yes. going on Twitter. I want Same. to be, a, I want to be multi, 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 multi billionaire, and I can be trusted. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what I tell God. God bless me, bless me indeed. Expand my territory, enlarge my territory, and you can trust me to take care of your people. Absolutely. And so I want as much money as I can. I want to make sure that um, I use money as a form of active, uh, activism because it's, because I, I'm a legacy builder. Mm -hmm. Why should I have 15 cars and no and people don't have a, one car? Yeah. Why should I have 15 houses and people are homeless? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't believe in that. Right. I don't believe in suffering. But I believe here's here's who are the part of me, the spiritual part of me. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. And so if I am blessed to be a blessing, I want all the money. And I wish really that people with big hearts and people with principles, people who are not greedy. I wish we had more money. Mm -hmm. I wish we I wish there was a divine exchange, which I think is going to happen. And, and, the, and if we can keep our, and keep connected. Right. I think. We will we we can change the right and wrong. So that's why like something you said, we can even protect ourselves because we, we didn't have anything to we didn't have weapons. Not that I'm looking for that because there are weapons coming in a whole bunch of different forms. Political vote is a weapon. And so I, I don't want people to think I'm talking about just guns and violence. I'm not talking about that. Weapon is information, weapon is knowledge, weapon is uh teaching people their uh making sure they have access to their culture, their language. There are many ways that people can prevent being assimilated mm -hmm. they, they they can prevent being being swallowed up into a dominant dominant culture and mm -hmm. we see some communities doing that because they have their businesses they have their own schools they have their own money do you see what i'm saying yes. so i want i i believe in all the money <laughs> that i can stand absolutely and i pray god and not only give me money i also ask give me wisdom so i can amplify it and yes. expand it give me discernment so I can be careful that I'm not exploiting people in the getting of it. Mm -hmm. Help me not to be seduced by it. Um, so I lord by it. So I start to pit my own principles. Mm -hmm. 
And and so that's my prayer. God, give me capacity, but help me keep my character intact. Mm-hmm. And that is really, really important. You got to pray for both of them because money is seductive. Can we be honest? A, even if you go in with a clean heart, if you don't have, if, if, you, if money has you instead of you having money, money can, you will become a slave to money. I want, I want money to always be a servant to me. And that's yes. my. Yes. I love that money. Our dollars get to work for us and we get to vote with our dollar. We get to create change with our dollar. And if you're already a generous person and a, and a, and you're, you make the effort every day to tune in connect with your heart, connect with God, creator source, whatever you call the higher power. Hopefully, you know, there is a force that's greater than us that exists within us you connect with that every day, like money is only going to amplify your heart. It's only going to amplify your generosity, your impact, your legacy, like you were saying. So I just love that. Um, and before I get to my next question, what did the N stand for in WIN? We covered worthiness, um, oh, uh, uh, worthiness imagination. Imagination, normalize. Oh, right. Normalize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something, so I, good. It's, uh, something I talk about, uh, pray, uh, about money. My prayer is also... God help me to teach my dollars some sense. Mm. And so I always want to make sure that my dollars have enough sense to do what's right. Mm. And because a lot of people have a lot of dollars, but they have no sense, no, no moral character, no moral compass. And I always want my dollars to have sense. And even when, if I don't have enough sense, I hope my dollars have enough sense. (laughs) And even if I do the wrong thing, my prayer is always, God, make my wrong right mm. for your for your community, for your people, for the humanity and dignity, for the full expression of people's humanity and dignity on the earth. Um, and that's my prayer. That's so beautiful. Um, yeah, because money, like anything, is just energy, which can take on any any form, right? So we can mm-hmm. ask it to ask God, ask source, creator universe to let it take on the best possible form for the highest good. And it's, it's going to do good in the hands of good people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. A question that I get a lot. Oh my goodness. We might have to do a part two. Like I have so, so much to talk about with you. Mm-hmm. Um, a question that I get a lot when I start to talk online and I'm sure you get this as well. I start to talk about race and money and race and manifestation and how we do have these spiritual wounds on our soul. And we've been taught from the get go that we're less than. So we need to, my point is not, we're all victims and everyone feels sorry for us and give us money, but people seem to, the trolls on the internet seem to think that that's my point. Um, when my point is we have a little more spiritual healing to do, we have a little more wounding on our soul that needs to be addressed that these mainstream manifestation programs don't always cover. Um, and so when I talk about this on the internet, I get these trolls coming out and they say (laughs) that it's always white men too, (laughs) but they seem to ask, um, you know, What's it if everyone has access to personal power? Everyone has the choice of, you know, mindset. We all have the ability to create the lives we want. So what are you complaining about? Can you just explain, even for people who might be in the BIPOC community again, I know we already talked about it, but why is it different? Why is manifestation different for oppressed and racialized communities? So much good there. Such a good question. And I get the trolls too. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to say it is that it goes back to that acronym WIN. Mm-hmm. When 
you, when people say you have personal power and you have agency, mm-hmm. we have to always ask ourselves, do we really have access to that power and that agency? Yes. If I have been taught all my life, mm-hmm. socialized, villainized, conditioned, influenced by media, by history, by edu- the educational system, that I have, I'm nothing. If fear has been purposely orchestrated in my life, purposely, mm-hmm. I don't have capacity to free thought until I clean that crap up. Mm-hmm. So when people say you have access to to thought, we do, but we got to go get it because we were in, we were imposed upon. With faulty, toxic, abusive, violent knowledge, even in the school system. Mm-hmm. Just think about how they took the native kids and put them in these um, yeah. homes. I call them concentration camps, right? Mm-hmm. So now yeah. we have to unlearn all of that. And and to say we have personal power, even in the school system, we still don't have personal power, especially America, because we won't let the teachers teach the truth. Yes. Right. We want we want to we want to tell people that it wasn't a slave ship. It was a cruise ship. Yeah. Yeah. We want to say, oh, it wasn't slavery. It was just a different form of employment. You know what I'm saying? We're whitewashing information. Now, why is that important? Education is correlated with elevation. So, yes, I have um, thoughts, but it's not mindset. Even biblically, it's the renewing of our mind. Which means that we have to unlearn all that trash. We have to unlearn all that tradition and all that conditioning so we can see ourselves through the lens of our creator. Mm-hmm. So that's so that we don't have access. We have to get access. See, they were raised with the access because yeah. they were raised, oh, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you you divided all the world. You just, you know, yes. Crystal, uh, um, Columbus discovered America. No, he didn't. They were raised <laughs> on lies. And mm-hmm. now we have to unpack and unravel and untangle from the lies. Yeah. That's mindset and access. Personal power, I would I can't even say we have the same freedom to go. Yeah. You want you want you, it, for example, as a black woman, I can go into a store and I can go to the store, but I'm gonna be cha- I'm gonna be followed around. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh my son's last name is Abdul Haq, right? He 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 has he always gets stopped by the cops. Mm-hmm. And then get called a terrorist. Yeah. So we have. So when people start talking about personal thought and mindset, and and we all have the the same rights, that's not true. We we have we we don't even have the same rights nor the same opportunities as citizens on in the country, but as human beings on the earth. So I feel like we that that happens for us when there's divine disruption. Of the lies, mm-hmm. when there is what I call radical resistance to all of the internalization and in the marginalization, when there is um, um, radical reckoning with the lies and interrogating and having a healthy disregard for all the crap we were taught, and it's all about what I call intentional interrogation. I I believe nothing. Mm-hmm. I question everything, but we I had to be taught that. Why? Because I was taught submission and obedience before I was taught sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I had to understand that I was sovereign enough 
that I didn't have to believe all the the lies. I didn't have to to accept the traditions because the traditions were not the truth. Even facts are not the truth. Facts are manufactured. The truth stands alone. What's the truth that you and I are worthy? That's the truth. You and I are the image of God. You and I are connected to each other and to our environment. That's the truth. Everything else is a lie, right? And so um, the mindset and the and the power is first is the cleansing. I always talk about activation is one of the pillars of what, what I teach. Three things we have to activate. Mm-hmm. Our cleansing, our calling, and our community. Mm-hmm. Cleanse from the lies. Um, uh, uh, accept our calling because we're worthy to do something well worth uh, uh, significant in the world. And get a community because remember normalize normalize community because indigenous people, black, brown, indigenous people, we we were raised in community. This toxic individualization, this mm-hmm. toxic um, um, individualism, that's mm-hmm. not that's Eurocentric. So true. Even the word personal power is like yeah. mm, we're actually stronger together. Interdependence, healthy independence. But yeah. we can be interdependent in this it, when there's a value of human a, a hierarchy of human value. Mm-hmm. I can't be interdependent with you if you think you're better than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you both too. I am because we are. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when the trolls come, I, I can tell that the trolls are coming from a place of tradition, toxic tradition. Yeah. And and from a a place of being threatened that Mm -hmm. all the brown and black people around the world, other indigenous people, the global majority were waking up. Yeah. (laughs) And and we were always, and and we were always, um, we were always woke. I hate that word. We were always woke, but now we, there's a different level of it because now we're getting power. We are um, getting money now. So now we're, Pushing back on the narratives. Now we're like, wait, we're, we're not, that's not true. That's a lie. Now, that's what I love about social media. I hate it, but I love it. I love it because it's democratizing information. First, we had to we yes. had to read what the white media, the white publishers, and the white um, that newspaper said. Now we're like, wait a minute. We have democratized it. So let's go to social media. So I love it because now other voices vulnerable voices, voices of people with um, vulnerable identities, brown and black, indigenous people, people who are gender expansive, uh, gender outside of this heteronormative. They're speaking and I get to listen to them. I'm not listening to the diluted, um, whitewashed, filtered through white mouths, through filtered through whiteness. Not mm-hmm. white people. When I say white people, I'm not talking about people individually. I'm talking about the system of whiteness, mm-hmm. the white supremacy. So now I can see. And the more you see, here's our imagination. The more you see what's available outside, the more that you see what's available inside, the more you can manifest. Mm-hmm. Connected. Absolutely. Oh, I love that so much. Something I think everyone should do, um, not just BIPOC folks, but everyone make sure you follow, go and make your feed colorful, intentionally search for black success stories, brown success stories, leaders, coaches, whatever industry you're in, whatever you're into, fashion, finance, whatever it is, 
look for non-white people to follow and diversify your feed so that you get used to seeing us on the stage, right? Follow indigenous creators, follow black creators, and don't message me. Don't message Sharon and ask for suggestions. Do your own research, do your own homework, right? We're not the encyclopedia, Um, but (laughs) go out of your way to find that. (laughs) I've had that many times. Um, Go out of your way, do your own work and find that and, and start decolonizing your own mind and diversifying your own mind. That's a great place to start. Um, Important. And, and be okay with all the emotions. Can we just say that? Yeah. Okay. With all the emotions for years, I was living in rage, Emily rage. Mm -hmm. And the more I learned about indigenous people, black people, brown people, Asian people, and all the stuff that was done, at the hands of colonizers, I was ra- I was enraged. Yeah. And but accept the rage because it's righteous, right? Mm-hmm. But use the rage as fuel to right the wrongs. Mm-hmm. Use the rage as fuel to take care of yourself. Because remember, the world said that we were not worthy, so we can work us to death and work us into the ground. Use the rage to celebrate other people, to let them know I see you and I see the work that you're doing in the world. Use the rage to take care of our elders who never got the opportunities that we have. Mm. Use the rage to reclaim our heritage, our culture, our religion, to hold events for people who may who may be um, totally disconnected so that they can learn. Mm-hmm. I I feel that we have to knit ourselves back together. Yeah. We have yeah. to go back and reclaim those pieces of us that that we lost or we had to bury to survive. Because assimilation meant, meant that you had to cut off parts of yourself to fit. Mm-hmm. You can't manifest. It's hard to manifest that way mm-hmm. when you're walking around as a fraction. Of a person versus a whole person. And that's yeah. so critical and really important. Yes. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault that <sighs> I think so many people carry so much shame that they're not more, like I said earlier, connected to their culture or um, being a certain way. We had to and we have continue to have to to fit in, but that's what we're trying to break. And um, yeah, all of this can feel very overwhelming (laughs) understandably so right what would you say like where should people start when it comes to you know just reclaiming their right to thrive and to manifest who they actually are where can they start oh what a great question before i answer that question i want to talk to our white allies too i want Mm -hmm. them to know they're not excluded from this conversation yeah we know that they're grieving too many of my family's all intermarried and sometimes I see my white siblings grieving for what their ancestor did and in pain. But I tell them, listen now, shame and guilt is a luxury that we don't get to have. So feel your pain, cry, be pissed off. Now help unmantle, dismantle it. So I don't want any uh, of our white siblings to feel like they are not part of this conversation. They have a job to do. Mm-hmm. They have to help eradicate, they have to help educate, they have to help dismantle, they have to decolonize. And so like you said, watch your feed. And so I don't want people, anybody 
to feel like they're not part of this very important conversation because we're interdependent and all of our lives are connected. Martin Luther King said we are woven together in a fabric of humanity. Just think about that fabric. We're woven together. What affects one affects us all. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important that we, we say that. So how do people um, start that process? I believe everything I, is four pillars. The, and I have to simplify it because it's overwhelming. It's all right. Yes. It's kind of like, let's go uh, mop up the ocean. You know what yes. I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the, the first pillar is education. Mm-hmm. Understand your true identity, who you are. I call, call it your essence versus what your environment told you, your character versus what your conditioning told you. That, that, so that's the idea. The second one is understand how you have been indoctrinated. Because sometimes if you don't know what has been poured into you, you can't root it out. And so we have to understand what are those isms? Every time I don't, I, every time I get scared to do something, I'm thinking, okay, what ism is that? Is it racism, sexism, worthyism? I, something, you know, because however, I've got to, it's not a God of fear. So if I feel fear, that lets me to start looking, you know, that, that something else is, is informing a behavior. And the last thing is called eyesight with the eye. And the eyesight is to start knowing who you are. And that's know your talents, your strengths, your abilities, your wisdom. Those things give you confidence. You just, you're just not a ball of humanity. You are humanity um, endowed, loaded in your DNA with gifts, talents, wisdom to, to give to the world. I call it eyesight with the eye, my eyesight. And you have to see it for yourself. Because remember, your, your self-worth is not a group activity, right? So you have, so that's the education. The, the second one is activation. We talked about it before, cleansing, all of that crap. And cleansing is a lifelong journey, right? And there are layers of that toxicity, right? There, there are levels of that toxicity. Know your calling, we yes, all have are. one, right? <laughs> And get a, a healthy community. And knowing that because this world is so jacked up, you might have to be the person to create the community that you need. Mm-hmm. The other thing is elevation. Elevation to me, it's about sovereignty. Now, one, you have to do all that other work in education, activation, and say, you know, to understand you're sovereign. And sovereignty is to me is this term is like I have agency to make choices, right? Sovereignty. The other S is being a good steward. Stewardship is like, how do I, how am I a good steward of me? That's about boundaries, timeline, who has access, what you're available for, what you show up to. Because I keep telling people, stop showing up to every fight that people invite you to. Why, why, why siphon your energy? And the other um, part of elevation is a spiritual practice, and that can whatever that is. Sometimes it's dancing, praying. Speaking, reading, journaling, walking in nature, whatever your thing is, get your, do your thing. Then it's liberation. The fourth step, how you love, meaning how you love yourself. Outside of these labels, outside of these, these, these myopic prescriptions that society has imposed on you, right? How you love yourself, how you love others. Meaning that, so that means that you'll understand that you are co-creating cultures and co-creating relationships where you both can thrive, right? So that's so that's love. The, then is how you lead. We all are leaders in some way. You, I don't care if it's one person or a million. Are you leading in a way that you're modeling 
dignity and humanity by you, how you carry yourself and how you treat others. And then the last one is how you living. Living in liber liber um, uh, in a liberated way means that you make choices that affirm who you are at different stages of your life. And that doesn't mean that everybody gets to have input. When you can stop living for the crowd and follow your own conscience, and you stop trying to seek validation or acceptance, that's when you're free. And also, living liberation, living liberated is about wealth. Financial wealth, so I have some money. Physical wealth, so I have good health. Emotional wealth, so I have my relationship with God. Emotional wealth, so I can name emotions and do my own healing work. Social wealth, I'm only allowing people close to me who have the capacity to see me. That's wealth. So those four things, and, and they're not linear, but those are the things you have to keep doing all the time. And sometimes we need people to show us that because growing up, I didn't, I didn't learn that. I learned how to conform before I learned how to challenge. Mm -hmm. Right? I learned how Absolutely. to, yeah, I learned how to um, go along and get along versus to make my own way. So now sometimes I can't do that by myself. Um, I have a therapist and a coach to help me see mm -hmm. things I can't see. And because uh, I want to see all of me. My, my my prayer, Emily, is God, show me who I was before society told me who I was not. Mm -hmm. Show me who I was. Show me my gifts in full bloom so I can see what I can do. Show me what I was created to do. And then God, give me the wisdom and the courage to do it, even if I have to do it alone. That's my prayer. Because if I don't have, if I don't see who I am and what I was called to do, I'm going to die full of gifts and I want to die empty. There's a saying that the, the place that the place, the richest place in the world, the most creative place in the world is the graveyard because everything died within people. And I want to die absolutely empty that's why i'm glad you and i are doing so many things mm -hmm. because to me life is one big experiment i'm gonna keep yeah. trying to say oh this is not it but that comes from sovereignty and that comes from worthiness that comes that i know that i am so god in me and if god is unlimited i'm sure i'm unlimited too i just gotta believe it and see and find and stretch and experiment and explore and excavate that's when I will become my highest self. And that's my goal. How can I be the happiest, healthiest, highest version of myself? Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> amen. 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 And that uh, there's so much, so much gold in what you just said. And uh, yeah, there's nothing I more I can add to that to make to. Yeah, there's nothing I can add to that. But um, I wanted to like talk about all of it because it was all so good. But yeah, that's that's why I'm so inspired by you and all the hats you wear, because like something I'm realizing more and more is that, um, you know, our purpose is not about necessarily what we do. It's not about one career path or one occupation, one thing. It's who are we being? And if we are being the manifestation of who we are as a soul, if we can see ourselves through the lens of God, through the lens of love and explore and that's abundance that's I used to think that was a bad thing that I did that I pivoted a lot or I tried different things but that's actually courage and that's 
um, like you said, that will die with many people where they didn't write the book or they didn't explore the thing. And um, it's a shame. It's a shame when we don't put ourselves out there and we don't try to be the fullest us that we can be. So thanks for being that light and that inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is there, is there anything else you've shared so much already? Um, I want to be mindful of your time. Totally up for part two, if you're up for it, there's so much here, but is there anything else on your heart that you just feel called to share before we wrap up um, and then let people know where they can connect with you as well? Yes. First, I would love to do part two. Um, Yay. I, I love these conversations. Um, I want people to know that they are so special that there's never going to be another person like them. And that they have inside of them something that they can do or contribute or say at the highest level of master and proficiency. And it's something that they can only do because they were came to the world not to be predictable, but to be purposeful. And that's when they will feel full and complete because fulfillment brings happiness. Mm-hmm. We are most fulfilled when we're doing our purpose. That's what I want people to say. I want people to leave people with that. So keep searching. Be it a look at your life from a from the eyes of a detective, mm-hmm. because you don't know what turns you on. We don't know what lights you up, especially if you have been marginalized and rationalized. We're going to be figuring ourselves out for the rest of our lives because our parents couldn't provide that that expansion for us because they were dealing with their own generational trauma. So be be. Be the person in your family that that re, that breaks the curse and yes. and breaks um, the the trauma and starts a new legacy. So seven generations forward and seven generations black backward will will prosper. So how they can find me? Everything is my name, Sharon Jameson, and I would love for people to connect with me, and I would love to connect with them. Um, again, I, I infuse all of what I do and <laughs> all, all that I um, provide. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I have a special place in my heart for women over 50 um, and brown and, and um, black and women of color, just because I feel that many times we are the caretakers of our family and culture and we don't get support. Mm-hmm. So I would love for people to to find me, join one of my programs. One is called I Dare to Be Me that starts in October. And that's helping people get those skills. And I keep my program small because I believe that a God of sufficiency. I'm never going to be one of these people that even though I love money, I, I'm going to make sure that I can serve people for one on one because hard work. You think about it. You, a heart surgeon doesn't do 100 surgeries in a day. Yeah. A brain surgeon doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. They might do one or two per week because those are the most vital organs. Mm-hmm. So I keep myself small because I'm a brain surgeon and a heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. And so I am. And so I um, I would love for people to join with me. And I, and, and I, I make sure that I do the best of my ability to have safe spaces. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm grateful for this opportunity to share with you. This is as I just feel so blessed to be in your presence today, Emily. So to everybody, Sharon Jameson on, on social media, everything is my name. I kept it simple for myself. <laughs> and uh, if they want to join me on my new- newsletter, please do. I send out newsletters maybe three to four times a month. Depends how I'm inspired because I, I, don't, I don't like rules. And uh, I look forward to connecting with people. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love small groups for that reason as well. And the power of the ripple effect, right? One, if you can help one person, then that ripple effect is going to be huge of all the people that they're going to be a light for and an example for. So great work. They, I just want to thank you for the amazing work you're doing in the world. I know you have some books out there as well um, that I want to check out. I have one in my Amazon cart right now about um, unraveling your purpose. I think it's called Dare to Soar too. Yeah, Dare to Soar too. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. Dare to Soar too. Keep it in your um in your uh, Amazon until next week. I, I, I rewrote some chapters. Um, Ooh, okay. I, I just did that because um I wrote the chapters before it was published before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And after since the pandemic, I just changed. So um I, I revised a couple of it. Yep. But cool. uh, it's chapters and it talks about everything we talked about. And I and I write a small in small chapters <laughs> yeah. um, um, because I just I, I cover friendships um, purpose uh, healing faith um, all the things I feel that we talk about to to ground us in our greatness because I believe that we all are made for greatness mm-hmm. absolutely amazing well I'll link it below but everybody then wait till let's say October Yes, October yes. should yeah, be safe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we got some Yeah, yeah, because I already sent it to the publisher, so they, they're uploading okay. it now. So maybe I would say the third or fourth week of September, but first of all, October will be best. Okay. The Sadness of Sword One is out there, and then my other books too. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'll put it all in the show notes. Um, thank you so much. This has been such an honor, and I've loved every minute of this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for the opportunity to be with you today. It has really blessed my soul to be in your presence. So thank you. Same. Thank you. Thanks again so much for listening. The best way you can thank a podcaster, if you got any value from this episode at all, or it helped you in any way, the best way to thank a podcaster is to share. Take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram at Emily Ann Brandt. Send it to a friend and let me know your thoughts. I cannot wait to connect with you. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Emily Ann Brandt or join the Facebook group, The Soul's Way. Thanks again for being here. Cheers to your magic.